I think part of being empowered is uh, is understanding when you want to become really truly wealthy is to know your numbers and so there's a saying that cash is king you know understanding where the the profit is coming um, to your life um, is really really important and so this week I really want to explore those numbers and uh, and have a think about this cash is king um, concept because I think you know for a lot of time um, when we're going through seminars and, and reading the newspaper on what's happening within businesses um, often the focus is on the turnover of what's going on so you might you know meet someone who says oh the business is now turning over you know a million two million five million seven million um, but really what interests me is well then what's your margin on that you know what profit do you take from that what drawings do you get from that what what low risk option have you have you invested in and so as uh, last week we started to talk about you know being rich versus looking rich now it's about accountability of you know where does that money come from what is it that you must do um, who do you need to connect with what are the strategies um, to sustain and to grow that cash flow and then how is it that we actually do that but most importantly is the why you know why is it important for you to achieve those goals and so you know without the why it's very challenging to get the discipline and so I think that you know as we move through this section um, it's always going to be very very important to have that um, promise that if you follow these processes that you know the, the end result is um, either a feeling which might be motivating you of, of just never having to worry about money ever again um, I know certainly for me I hit a big realization about six months ago that in actual fact because everything was just such a game that I said to my husband if I never need to make another financial decision again I'm not worried about that I'd just like my pocket money on Monday you know just give me my pocket money on Monday and then I am happy to go and serve as much as I need to serve during the week um, based on you know what I'm capable of achieving um, and then as long as I trust that the money's being invested and and secured um, because I've built the right team of people around me in terms of knowledge and and passion and they're aligned with my goals then you know that's an incredible feeling that's freedom to me and so have you linked into your why what's really important is it that you want that beach house is it that you want that car you know why are you doing this what what's going to be the driver uh, for you to um, persist and to be able to uh, maintain the momentum to be able to achieve achieve that goal and so each of you needs to have your own definition of what success is and they can be completely different but it's important when you're aligned that you start to help the other person on a daily basis to start to get that feeling of what success is in that area and so you know um, working in flight centres for five years a lot of the daily disciplines and the numbers came down to key performance indicators that we knew that we needed to have in that if we didn't generate 11 inquiry per day then there was just no way we were going to be up in that that top 10% of the company and so whether that was inbound or outbound was completely up to us um, we could control the level of lead generation within that business simply by building a database doing marketing and um, and starting to to grow a strong foundation so that we made sure that 
you know, as a team, if we were in business for five years, it was definitely uh, five years of accumulative knowledge, not one year repeated five times. And so what's, what's critical when you start to recognise of where you're at within your business is knowing those leads numbers. Do you know how many leads you need to generate? You know, as a business coach, I know that it needs to be five appointments every single week. So very different than travel, which was 11 inquiries per day. Um, so different industries are going to have different key performance indicators, different standards that you're going to need to maintain and to grow. And, um, and so certainly, you know, three appointments will get you through, but five appointments will secure growth every single month, month on month. Now, how rare is it that people actually do what their industry standard or key performance indicator that they know that they need to do? I find that absolutely fascinating, people wanting a result but not putting that ideal number in the top of their funnel to be able to maximise the conversion rate to get the desired number of customers that they require. And so, you know, realistically, when you sit with somebody who's frustrated because they're not getting success and you go through their numbers, then it's quite clear why the cash flow isn't arriving. And so really what our whole aim to do is to work as a couple to energize and inspire to achieve that big number. That big number at the top is what um, we're always told by the, the top sales people is don't focus on the little number at the bottom, which might be one, one client, one new client per week or month or day. It's actually to focus on the big number because even if they cancel, that was part of the process. So you might have five qualified booked appointments, but you know that on your way to those appointments, perhaps there'll be two no-shows and one that will, um, will transfer the booking, but it provided you have those five appointments, it still works out at the correct conversion rate at the end of the month. And so how do we find out these figures? Realistically, for each individual, they need to test and measure. You can use industry standards, but I find that, you know, I don't want to be standard. <laughs> I would like to be exceptional. And so for me, I need to know my own numbers. What are my own numbers based on, on my areas of expertise, on my um, background in, in selling, on my knowledge base of um, people skills? All of these things are learned, they're not something that's innate. And, uh, and that was relieving for me when I, when I really started to understand that um, if I wanted to stay in that top 10% of, of core group, whether or not that was in Flight Centre or that was within my, my coaching um, global franchise or, or whether or not that was within um, the millionaires that I wanted to hang out with, it was knowing that if I wanted to be in that inner circle, there were things that I could physically do to ensure that I made um, myself known to those peers. And so then I was able to ask better questions to increase those leads and the quality, to increase the conversion rate and the quality. Okay, so if cash is king, do you actually know what those two numbers are? What's the magic number for leads? What's the magic number for your conversion rate? And how are you actually making sure that you're maximizing your conversion rate. Okay, so let's say for example, we have a 10 step delivery and distribution process from when a telephone call comes in to when we dispatch with our product. Okay, so what's happening in each of those processes around drop off rates? 
And we found when one of the businesses that we were working in is in step six, there was like a 60% drop off. Uh, very high conversion rate for anybody who made it from step six to step seven. However, there needed to be a step, a step six and a half. There was too big a drop off from going from that step to the next step. And so, you know, perhaps there were, needed to be a loss leader included there or an opportunity or an offer or, or something else to build more rapport. So what's really important is that you start to understand with your conversion rate that when you test and measure, this is getting into the absolute nitty gritty of exactly which step your conversion rate percentages are dropping off. As opposed to, well, yeah, I had 13 leads for the week and I got two sales, great, but where did we lose the 11 people? Was it from the inquiry stage? Was it from after they asked for information? Did you give them a quote? Did you follow up the quote? You know, where was it that we we were actually, um, you know, losing uh, that that lead or that conversion? And um, I know having a whole in-house team of of marketing experts, so a marketing manager running a team of telemarketers, a full-time sales um, person that I was paying. I wanted to know the data every single day. I wanted to know what was going on in terms of the numbers. And, uh, and making sure that those numbers were fitting. Are you absolutely crystal clear on your numbers of what needs to happen? Now, once you get a customer, it's really important that we start to um, have a look at what the file size is or the average dollar sale. And so in the travel industry, we knew that there were some, some standards that we needed to uphold and whether that be multiple sales or um, an average sale for the day that was going to maintain our position within you know that top 10% of, of, of our brand. And so you know it wasn't difficult then when somebody asked for two tickets to London to know, okay, well this file size needs to be on average this amount. Okay, so it can be made up from lots of different components, whether it's rail passes or accommodation or insurance flights, um, whatever, whatever is possible in terms of um, sightseeing and, and short tours and, and things like that. But we knew what our averages were if we were on our game. Okay, so your average dollar sale or um, average cost that, uh, that you're putting through for, for each job cost then are you clear with all of the different businesses, you know, all parts of your business of how much that lead acquisition costs you to get that client? And so then you start to really see that we're streamlining our questions to say, well, if I want to pick up a, um, a client that's going through to Europe, or I want to pick up a USA client, or I want to pick up a Pacific Island cruise, then I know the lead strategies and the conversion rates and the average file size for those. I also know the lifetime value of that customer based on how often they're going to travel which is your number of transactions. You know, how, how many transactions are you playing at right now? Do you have a company that really sells a lot of one-offs or is there a lot of consuming, a lot of consumable product? And so that's why when, when I'm looking at businesses now, what interests me is um, setting things up once and then having customers have a lot of repeat and referral because they know, like and trust me. And so it is all about that consumer dollar. How do I get that wallet share of each individual with high quality goods 
and services that are consumable items. Um, because if that's possible, then I'm able every single quarter or every single month to be able to um, build on my relationship with that person, build more loyalty and have a very strong, solid team that over a period of time is just kicking out um, you know, a pipeline of cash flow. Right, so what strategies have you got in place for your numbers to know, you know, on average, how many transactions will people do in a lifetime with you? Okay, and once we've, we've got our customers and, and we know what the average dollar sale and the number of transactions are, that equals our revenue or our turnover. And so from our turnover, obviously there's going to be expenses. And so when we take away our average monthly break-even, what are we left with in profit? Okay, so do you know your break-even? And if cash flow is king and you understand that, you know, break-even for a business, um, you know, we used to have um, a break-even of around $28,000. And so we knew that, you know, if our target said that we needed to make $10,000, then we knew exactly where we needed to be standing in terms of what, what we were able to spend because we, we knew exactly based on our daily sales how close we were to those targets. And so things were monitored, things were held back. Um, you know, if, if we were unable to pay that telephone bill on the 29th that was due but we paid it on the 2nd as an example but reached our monthly target which then got each of us our incentives then we could create ownership over that uh, that business as opposed to not knowing your break-evens and, and just um, just paying things as they come having no plan not having tax management not drawing your profits on the 10th of the month you know how is it that you structure your expenses how do you even know when you're planning what your expenses are and so we're going to go through some tips on those things as well. And so your margin needs to be recorded every single month. And you need to have a, a standard for that margin. You know, what, what business could you own and, uh, and deliver on the highest margin possible? And so, you know, it's always been a goal. Like I started in, in my first business with um, looking after um, elderly people in their homes and, uh, and doing contract work through an agency and then I went and became private and uh, have a huge margin in that type of a business because there's absolutely no overheads and so all of the money was profit okay so it might have even been 99% profit margin because it was time-based however there was absolutely no time whatsoever it was a 24-hour a day commitment I'd have four days off a month and so I'd work straight for, you know, 27 days and then I would have four days off, which I would have to find a replacement. And so, you know, is that the ideal? Probably not. Time-wise, you might want to have a life and, and have some time outside of that, but wonderful margin. Okay, so some businesses are going to have strengths and they're going to have weaknesses. They'll have opportunities and they'll have threats. So from there, I went into the travel industry, which had um, huge amounts of turnover, but the margin on average was about 11% when I was in that industry. It's dropped quite, quite, um, quite a bit since then, but 11% as an average margin is very, very low. So huge turnover of 7 million, um, but very, very low margin. 
and so going from there into education or information and then moving back up to somewhere around a 50% profit margin um, you know so right through to 70-80% when I could leverage some time and so time and money being the major objective so you know when you start to look at your planning and what you're achieving these are some of the questions that I find you know just knowing that detail is really really important so have you decided on what your weekly key performance indicators are are they daily key performance indicators how do you stay accountable to those and who is um, keeping you accountable okay because that's going to increase that ownership and so when you manage your cash flow one of the most simple things I ever did as a couple was that we were managing cash flow in the business very very strictly but we didn't have a cash management for our home and uh, pardon me and so what I would find was that I'd be planning you know a big profit month and I was going to invest or, or pay down a, a loan or a credit card or or something like that and Kent would come home and say oh that's fantastic we've had that big month because we need four new tires you know there's always something that's needed isn't there uh, whether or not that's something for the house um, a service on a car um, you know expenses that would would crop up that he would have in the back of his mind but would be too nervous to mention and I know ladies that will happen when <laughs> when men are out there working and you'll think you know the kids really need full updated wardrobes or they need school uniforms or textbooks or or whatever it is and then there would be this tension that we would have within our relationship that there wasn't that communication um, and rightly so because I would have shot the messenger anyway had it been told any any earlier so I came up with a very simple little system in that at the beginning of the month I would write out um, the next six weeks of dates on a blank A4 piece of paper so if we're starting in November we do November right through until the 15th of December and I would have foreseeable expenses and so what would happen is that that would give um, Kent the opportunity to start to have a think about okay well a foreseeable expense might be tyres and um, ideally we need those in four weeks time and this is how much the quote is that I've looked at and so tax um, whether a BAS statement you know is a foreseeable expense that's coming in and so we would just have a, a blank piece of paper that you know we didn't need to talk about it it was just assumed that if it was on that sheet of paper and there was an expense that was coming up whether it be a medical expense or a household expense or a holiday expense or, or presents or whatever it was nothing was sneaking up and uh, I tell you what, as a basic system, it has been the most effective for managing our cash flow. And so I've seen financial planners with all these fangdangled Excel spreadsheets and uh, all different types of things. Those things have never worked for us in our home life, that home budgeting, because there's so many things that crop up out of the blue that it's quite challenging to foresee. I mean, yes, you can do a home budget and you can average out your yearly expenses so that you've got a bills account and, and that's the break even that goes into that bills account and it, it should all add up at the end of the year. 
Um, but I just find being in small business, definitely um, when you're living off the minimum drawings uh, that you're able to, to be able to invest as much as you can, then sometimes there's that resentment or that anger or frustration that comes up when there are unforeseen. Um, expenses so maybe have a buffer account or a what-if account um, that that those things can come out of and aim to get you know three months of break-even of your business money in there and then three months of your household break-even in there I mean what kind of emotional intelligence will you have when the fridge blows up or the dishwasher needs fixing or you know the car needs fixing or something like that when you've got those types of buffers in there and stick them in an ING account or whoever you know that's locked away on the internet that you know pays you good interest um, because you don't want to have to rely on using it but what an amazing peace of mind tool that you could be using so I hope that helps you let me know if you get a, a good result with that the other thing that I'd recommend as a couple is setting up a time every single week consistently to talk about money um, when the children aren't there and when you have enough time to be able to process whatever that discussion or action steps have come out the end of that and so really like a directors meeting setting up a finance meeting consistently so that there's clear communication around the money I think when you've decided that you want to be rich um, and that you want to become as wealthy as you possibly can then there are always going to be lessons and and discussions and people's different identity around money that takes time to be able to um, to get those words out and to be able to communicate in a way that is going to align you as opposed to send you in different directions and so often we'd be having half conversations about money and the kids are floating around and and then you know something's said and it's not finished and then it festers and you know it creates doubt or confusion and um, it's days before that can be addressed again and then when it is addressed it was misunderstood and so then there's kind of you know more confusion and and more doubt around the communication or or the intention there and so I just say that you know wipe that out 100% and have a period of time in the week that um, isn't just before you're about to go on a sales call you know and <laughs> this used to happen to us constantly uh, the day that I'd be having a huge sales day and uh, and Kent would mention the fact that you know this pressure was here or this pressure was here or this pressure was here and so I would literally change my intention when I'm driving out the driveway I'd be under so much rage um, that clearly my desired outcome wasn't for the benefit of the customer and uh, and I used to get very very frustrated at that time and, and space that I hadn't set my boundaries really clear and uh, and and let him know very very um, clearly what I required in terms of support prior to those days and so this is all just learnings from from what happened to us um, but you know it's not always a good time to talk about money and if certainly if you've got any residual frustration around money then it needs to be set up and perhaps mediated by somebody else um, because it can lead to huge conflict within your marriage and um, I was having lunch with Fran Bailey who used to be the minister for small business and she was saying that you know when a couple separates the next three basses aren't actually processed and so generally what they'd find is the person that's doing the work is not the person that's managing the books and managing the finances and you know that puts a huge strain 
one on the government with their tax and chasing that up and, uh, and certainly with couples and so it kind of proved to me that uh, there was a need for this type of a program um, because you know people that I would speak to would say you know how do you manage your money so well or how do you talk about money because they would assume that it was a very easy topic for us when in actual fact this was one of the most challenging areas of our entire um, business life was the actual management of the cash flow and simply because um, we're not very disciplined like in our nature and our talent um, and so we were far better off to outsource a lot of it. We have bookkeepers now that keep us on track, um, financial planners or um, finance coaches and, and things like that that we're accountable to um, because if left to our own devices we get ourselves into a real sticky mess and um, I'd say the majority of people are the same. If, if what we're learning is that the average Australian saves minus 4%, you wouldn't say as a nation um, in Australia and certainly in America there's huge debts and, and challenges there as well in the United Kingdom that, um, that people on average in this day and age are really savvy with their money because we've grown up um, you know, in good times and so we haven't experienced a depression, we haven't experienced you know, the, the level of, of uncertainty or perhaps a bit of scarcity that um, maybe our grandparents or parents experienced. And so these are new things that we're learning in terms of the daily disciplines and, and, and getting clarity around the plan around money. So what are you going to do with your cash? Okay, how, do you, how are you going to invest it? What percentage are you going to allow yourself to spend on, on toys or hobbies? And you know, really set it up so that you have that crystal clarity as a couple of when you achieve this, this is what's going to happen. Because then there is no disappointment if that doesn't play out the way it should or um, there's no miscommunication and, and resentment and then feeling as if you know, well I've waited for five years, now I've waited for 10 years, now I've waited for 15 years and I still haven't got that, you know, house or car or new dress or dinner out or honeymoon. Um, I coached a couple that uh, they said as soon as the business was successful they'd have their honeymoon and that was 12 years after they got married. And um, you know, I don't know about you, but that's just too long to wait for a honeymoon. There's never going to be a good time, you know. So what you realise is that, um, you know, what is it that you're actually working towards um, and is money become the whole sole focus of the experience that you're having in your business and in your life? And if so, perhaps you've lost that balance or, or lost that perspective. And so it's a good opportunity this week to put our heads up and sort of go, okay, let's look around and, and, and know our numbers and provided we do our numbers, we get this result. If we're not getting the result, we obviously don't know our numbers. Okay, so we need to learn those. I think the, uh, the, the final thing is this timeline for success that we touched on, on last week, is that once you do know your numbers, and you've sat down with clarity and, and put a game plan in place for your family. Okay, so that you know for the next two years this is, this is the main priority. Now, if you make more than that, then this is where the money's going to go. And so you've, you must align um, with each other based on what success is and start focusing on that end result. And, um, and certainly when we put the game plan together for um, probably the biggest jump that we needed to make in terms of cash flow and time splits 
um, was to get to a point of $10,000 profit per month in two mornings per week or two days per week. And, uh, and that was going to be a huge achievement because one, it meant Kent was already out of um, you know, the workforce in terms of us relying on his income. So prior to us having kids, any money that he generated would go towards travel or, or gifts or you know, fun stuff. And so we knew that we would be able to start a family as soon as I could free up my time. And so it was a huge driving factor for me. That was obviously the, the reward for me. However, to get that support from that other spouse, we needed to um, align and entangle our goals a little more. And, uh, and so I had said if Kent supported me, um, picked me up when I fell down, told me how fantastic I was, kept me motivated on, on the numbers and the daily disciplines, um, that we'd get his Ducati Supersport. And, um, you know, in terms of motorbike, that was his number one choice. And we went to the shop and we took the photo and we put it on the fridge and, you know, we had a focus point. We knew, could we just stick this out for a hundred weeks? No TV, no newspapers, you know, huge growth period um, of that two year period. People thought we were crazy. Our family thought we were just insane. But as a couple, we knew with clarity and with certainty that if we followed in the footsteps of successful people and we did what those successful people would do then we could trust that it would all work out and um, as it did and there were huge learnings in that as a couple that we had to learn our individual cycles um, where we needed to take more responsibility but you know we learned enough in that two-year period to set ourselves up for that following two years to really have a strong foundation and um, the foundation wasn't monetary based, the foundation was emotional based. And so we knew enough about mental toughness with each other to know where the boundaries were and how to communicate well. And then the following two years, more fruit on the tree came. And so it's a process, you know. So they say you're five to seven years away from wherever it is that you want to get to success um, and so for me it was always knowing okay how could I stay focused on a timeline well about a hundred weeks was as far out as I could focus and so that hundred weeks to success became that you know our our main program we still run today leisure seekers so have you got that up on your wall a hundred down to one what's our plan where do we want to be two years from now can we stick it out can we support each other can we empower each other um, what are you actually prepared to do on a daily basis to achieve those goals that you want to achieve? And we're going to be moving more into that as we continue with the seminar series. So have a great week. Uh, lots to do in terms of finding out your numbers and having those discussions and setting up your, your time in the week to talk about finance. So I wish you well and we'll talk again next week.